You are listening to the Quick Pop Podcast. In this episode, we discuss the fallout from the Women's Evolution pay-per-view, as well as the controversial Crown Jewel. We also go in-depth into the present history and current standing of the U.S. title in our new segment, Title Talk. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, once again to the most hit-to-listen podcast about wrestling, the Quick Pop Podcast. It's been forever, guys, but do not worry. Like ECW, we always return, and unlike Vince Russo, we won't run this one into the ground. I am joined today, by the way, it's Ace for all of those who don't remember. I am joined today by a familiar co-host. It's been a while. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. It's Jacob. I think I've... Well, I was on last, the... Uh... Jordan Angle episode. Yes. When we were talking, was that Battlegrounds? Yeah, right before Battlegrounds, talking about the Angle Angle. That's when uh, you were last here. But uh, it's been a while, but uh, we're glad to be back. This is a long time coming. Lots of planning has gone into this. And without further ado, let's get this show started with one of the biggest events that recently happened this past Sunday. Yes, that's right. Uh, which was the first ever all women's pay per view, The Women's Evolution. Uh, you you saw it, right? I did watch the show. Very, very good show. Uh, good card from top to bottom. Yeah, I don't think there was, I don't think there was very many matches that like I didn't enjoy watching. Yeah, like even the ones that like through the hype up, I was just like, eh, that'll be okay. It still kept my interest. Uh, they still did a good job. You could tell like a lot of the women on the card wrestled like they had something to prove. And I think they did it. I think they proved that they can have a solid pay-per-view on their own without the guys uh, and a pay-per-view that's uh, worthy to talk about. Uh, and and interestingly, this because it was women's evolution, we had to have all women. Uh, it was interesting to see that they actually had an NXT match on a WWE pay-per-view. Which I thought was one of the better matches of the night. Um really into Shayna Baszler. I like how she is fusing this, like, uh, catch can MMA style uh, into the ring. And I thought her and uh, Kyrie Zane really worked very well together. This match may have been better than their last NXT match, in my opinion. It's always fun to see Kyrie too, because we've definitely lost the art of the very fun gimmick. Like, a lot of gimmicks are fun to watch, but, like, the old days where someone thought that they were, you know, a trash man or... Uh, yeah. a security guard in like Big Boss Man. We've lost the fun gimmicks, and it's good to see a fun gimmick that works. The early '90s, where everyone had a profession. Yeah, you had I, you had Isaac Yankum, which basically was, uh, "Hey, I do malpractice." Yeah, um, and all those other job-oriented ones. Yeah, Big Boss Man, Doink the Clown, like it was the Repo Man. Oh God, Repo Man. Who, de- who never repoed stuff, just just stole. Like, oh, no. he, he didn't repo, he just stole. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. He always, like, brought tools to repossess stuff, but then he just t- took stuff that wasn't even his. He's yeah. like, dude, you're, you're a thief. You're not a repo man. You're a thief man, not repo <laughs> man. But it's good to see... It's good to see a very, uh, a very fun gimmick where she's, you know, the pirate princess, and she's all in on it. Like, I love it. And uh, the finish was good, too. She had a very stone-cold finish. Yeah, uh, finish was good. I uh, like also like how the other uh, four horsewomen of the UFC helped uh, Baszler out. 
and it looks like maybe those two will be uh, doing more in NXT. Fun, because I think bringing in more MMA-style women wrestlers, uh, I mean, doing good, and obviously she's more of like the name-oriented one, but I think Baszler has taken to professional wrestling. Uh, and if either of them can even have half the momentum that either one of them does, I think you have four women that you can put in very high-level spots in this division. For sure. And so it, it was really nice seeing uh, an NXT showing at a WWE event. Uh, now, one of the most hyped matches, in in my personal opinion, was the uh, the Becky-Charlotte uh, match. Uh, no disrespect to Ronda and the Bellas. Uh, they had a good match, too. Ronda always looks good in her matches, but I think the Becky-Charlotte match was the most hyped match. I feel like with those two matches, it was almost uh, a type where it's like, if you get your wrestling fix and your good storytelling and match work through Becky and Charlotte, but you have the name power of Ronda and the Bella, that maybe the casual person that doesn't normally watch is like, oh, hey, I know who the Bellas are. I watched their show, or I watched uh, UFC before, so I'll watch Ronda. So I felt like one show, one match was there for the bring-in people to get them to watch this, and the other match was there just to be like, okay, go out there and steal the show. Oh, for sure. And uh, it's really interesting to see how uh, maybe WWE is doing it uh, intentionally, but like... People are doing the reverse of what WWE wants them to do. They want them to boo the heel and cheer the face on. And in Becky and Charlotte, they are just not about that life. Well, I mean, Becky is the female Stone Cold. Like, for one, I think WWE, it isn't that they're doing, I think, the opposite on purpose. It's, I think, in 2018, they don't know how to actually make a heel and they just revert back to 80s, early 90s mentality of, oh, this person hit the good guy, so you gotta boo him. Because if you look at that story, like, Becky finally is getting a one-on-one shot at this title. She's finally doing it, and then here comes Charlotte to save her friend, but inadvertently getting into the triple threat. And so now Becky now has to beat two people. And then at the last second, when Becky's about to win, her best friend hits the finishing move and wins. But everyone's like, oh, she's supposed to be a heel came in and kind of inserted herself in Becky's spotlight. Then Charlotte uh, wins the title by hitting Becky when she's about to win. I mean, in any other situation, if you're just telling me that storyline on another TV show, I'm saying Charlotte's the bad guy. It sounds like Charlotte is the person that thinks she deserves a shot, inserted herself, and then kind of screwed over her friend to win. So I don't get why I'm supposed to boo Becky. It's just that... that, And they haven't given me a good enough reason. Yeah, they're trying really hard to make her look heel. And she's coming across heel, but people are like, no, she's right. I mean, that's just that she's coming off as like... this. I've liked Becky since NXT as far as in the ring, because they made her like an NXT a submissions wrestler. And then they took that away from her when she came to the main roster. I never understood that. But like, Becky's ever looked like... Becky's like uh, with this Ronda Rousey match and with like the promo she just cut on SmackDown. Like she was sitting there like, I'm not here to cosplay or do a reality show. Like she's taking shots at every woman on the roster, but it's not in a, oh, I'm a heel. I'm jealous of you. It's a screw you. You do this and that's stupid and I'm better than you. So I'm just going to break your arm and 
still be champion. And it just it it comes off as so like it comes off as like the uh the smart ass in an action movie where it's like he just walks in the room, he's like, I'm better than you, and then somebody just like tries to fight him and he just beats him up and walks out of the room. That's how Becky's coming across. And how can I boo that? It's so fun to watch. Right. So uh so it was it was interesting to see like that match I feel like got a lot more crowd involvement because I mean, for for the casual fan, that's what Ronda was there for. But mm-hmm. but anybody that was like, you know what? I bet that Ronda Rousey, who has literally dominated since she showed up in the WWE, you know what? I bet the Bellas could take her. Like, what? No. Like, I'm surprised that, you know, Ronda didn't just walk in there and, like, punch Bella once and she was just down. And she was like, yeah, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, like, I knew that try to do the two-on-one angle to make it seem but also like you said like in the back of my mind i'm like is this going to be SummerSlam all over again where ronda just walks in and just does whatever she wants to to nikki bella and then it's like okay i'm done now i'll pin her uh, i've decided i've gotten my workout in time yes. time to put the arm bar in and call it a day Cardio for me, so I so I only only timed it for about three to five minutes. We're about at that point, so I'll just go ahead and make you count. Yeah, got it. Kind of bounce. All right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the battle royale. The two things that I took out of that one, uh, everyone had, like a lot of the people had a very specific outfit that they wore. Yeah. Uh, and two, they gave every woman her entrance, which I thought was interesting for a battle royale. I did too. Um, I can't, couldn't tell if that was just to be like, so we're going to give every girl their moment, or if it was like a, oh, hey, that last match went a little short, so let's just do everyone's interview to, to you know, take up time. So I like to, I, I didn't know, but I, I like I to believe the moment. The yeah, I like to believe it was the moment because. That was the vibe I got. Like, this is all about women. We're not going to shortchange anybody. If you're on this, you're going to get your moment to walk out there with your, you know, thing. Uh, thing. Even if you're Kelly Kelly, who hasn't showed up at the WWE forever, you get your insurance. Walk on down, you know. Uh, the match itself was actually pretty good. Uh, One of the better battle roles I've uh, seen in a while. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan. Like, I like the rumble obviously but a battle royal everyone in the ring at the same time used to be just one of those matches that i'm like i'll wait till a few people are left and then i'll start paying attention but here lately it seems like whoever is the booker for these battle royals be it wwe or whatever uh company they're they're taking a lot more time with actually thinking it out and making it more entertaining and this match also showed that it showed that like they didn't want it just to be like okay there's like 20 women in the ring have a mass pile up and then people's bodies just start flying out and then we'll start carrying. They they actually like you know had like different moments throughout that match of you know these two women wrestling each other or like this you know woman getting her spot and you know getting her moves in even when there's still like 10 15 other people still in there. Yeah. And I I really appreciated that they didn't just make this another other and you know people fall out of the ring until we get down to like four or five yeah it is true like lately battle royales feel like because they're always chaotic because like you have to kind of suspend your suspension of belief that like 20 people are in that area and that some of them are just kind of walking around going all right who do i punch who do i punch you i'm gonna punch you 
you have to kind of suspend yeah. your disbelief and realize that like they have to tell a story because you know if not there would be like these very unspoken like we're gonna beat the hell out of this guy and toss him you know there wouldn't be this like punch this guy in the corner i'm gonna walk over to this corner now. i'm gonna punch this person and i'm gonna walk back to the other corner which happens a lot in battle royales like some guy thinks well these two guys are in the corner so i'm gonna take turns hitting them uh yeah but they've they've kind of figured out that like we have these people so let's let them have like a mini story and oh here's you know tamina and naya let's let them have a little mini story and oh look selena vega let's give her a little mini story like these aren't stories that that they are they're stories that could go places but they don't necessarily have to they can be like right there in the moment yeah no i i completely agree like i think the art of storytelling with uh battle royales has gone a lot better than they have in years past it's not just a match it's a, okay what story are we trying to tell who's going to win and what's going to happen right uh and and the the thing i like about the whole storytelling vibe is i really appreciated that little moment they gave, gave uh tamina and anaya uh yeah yeah i thought that that was one of the highlights uh this one yeah, the, the the little Roman Reigns touch. I was like, all right, I, I see you, WWE. And, you know, it's WWE, so they're going to use, like, the story of the month. But, like, they're not very in-your-face about it, you know. They're very much like, hey, she has a reason to do this. And you're like, yeah, she does. Good on you, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, agreed. It's, it's not everybody going out there and doing it. You know, like, I, I love what they did with uh, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and everything. But I feel like at a certain point that just went beyond and like everyone was tributing Eddie Guerrero this time. It feels like, while no one's died. Uh, I feel like they've done a lot better job of like going like, okay, this person, this person, this person, you have a strong connection to the person in question. So we're going to give you a little moment. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So, yeah, very good storytelling on uh, on WWE's part. On that note, though, speaking of good storytelling, there is the other side, which is no storytelling whatsoever. And that came uh, just just five short days later. Uh, on the yeah, we've got to discuss the fact that the they went across the pond. Uh, we're not going to get into the controversy. If you guys don't know the controversy and you're listening to this podcast, bravo. I wish I were a stronger man just like you who somehow avoided seeing any news about why they never really mentioned where they were. Uh, I never understood the statement ignorance is bliss fully until the situation happened. I had a conversation with my friend that watched this and he had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, and your life must be so amazing right now. Like just to watch, just <laughs> to watch a pay per view. Yeah, just yeah, just, we'll just watch wrestling and not be like, hey, they're not being total idiots. Hey, it's weird. They're they keep calling it Crown Jewel, but they're never specifically location dropping. Did you did you hear on SmackDown when they when they called it like a global event? Yeah, they wouldn't know where it was, so they just kept saying globally. So I'm like, are they literally like Crown Jewel from Earth? From Earth, the Crown Jewel of earth uh it's been a globe it points to something that's where we are right did you did you happen to watch or did you just kind of hearsay i hearsay i am most 
again, uh, you are a stronger man. Uh, so, so if you were WWE and you've decided to go forward with this, let's let's say controversial pay per view. Um, if you take a step out of the world politics, it was just another pay-per-view in a place that was throwing money at wwe so like when you take that step back it's not as controversial it's just when you bring the world into it and you're like ah well no that's probably not the best idea uh but if you were wwe and you were like okay we're gonna do this but we gotta have a host for crown jewel who would you not get at your super controversial pay-per-view who I would get that has just a squeaky clean record out of the ring. It's Hulk Hogan. You know, I mean, the guy, his music says real American. He's always never done anything wrong. No, like, probably has no bad record to speak of uh, whatsoever. No, n- none at all. I mean, I'm sure he hasn't made any tapes with any lewd imagery on it. Uh, I'm sure there's no phone call with him saying, you know, let's call them racial terms. Um, I, I'm I'm sure that he's never said anything uh, negative about, like, his wife or daughter, you know, in the public. Or even the company uh, in question. He never even talked bad about this company, ever. No, he seems like the perfect fit for your extremely controversial pay-per-view. Why did they bring Hulk Hogan of everybody? Like, not all, not only did you get the most controversial wrestler short of, like, CM Punk. Uh, Here's the thing, CM Punk being controversial. He's only controversial for leaving the company and over his best friend with uh, legal fees. Like, that's not even like a, a drop in the bucket of how controversial Hulk Hogan is. And I don't care if like you're a Hulk Hogan fan or not. That's that's beside the point. I'm not, you know, we're we're not discussing that. The fact is he has done things in the public eye that people look at him in a negative light. So when you have a bad PR pay-per-view, why are you bringing a bad PR host? Not to mention, all he did was come out to his, like, I'm a real American theme, which, wow, come on now. I know you're supposed to be like the American company coming to Saudi Arabia. That doesn't mean you start out with, like, the third generation American national anthem for the WWE. Like, just throw that out there. But then he was like, I'm your host. And then all he did was cut a Hulk promo and walk backstage. Like, he didn't say, glad you're here. Uh, You know, I'm excited to see these matches. He literally was just like, he went out and did a Hulkamania promo and then left. And we were all supposed to be like, yay, Hulk's the host. He didn't even come out again. The entire rest of the pay-per-view. That was his only appearance. I heard that, like, him hosting it was basically by that standpoint he hosted wrestlemania 30 yep. because he came out at the beginning of wrestlemania 30 and said like hey brother i don't know what arena i'm in and his did the exact same thing from what i've heard and it's just yeah it was i don't get, I don't get the point it was awful like it was just uh why and and then we got the start of the uh world cup to determine who is the best in the world uh, ignore the fact that the World Cup roster was American, 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 Mexican. Well, well, well no, no, no. Let's 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 punch up. 
Rey Mysterio's Mexican heritage, he was born in San Diego. Yes. That was straight American across the board. For sure. But at least they were like, oh, God, we've got, like, seven white dudes. Uh, Put Rey in. Why? What's sad, is like, what's sad is, like, that conversation was probably like, crap, we have a bunch of white guys. Somebody give me a brown guy. Somebody somewhere. And they were like... Rey Mysterio, and they're like, that'll work. And someone was like, sir, he's from San Diego. Yeah, but he looks like it, and his name is Ray. We'll say, we'll say Mexico. People will buy it. Yeah, he's, he's got the luchador mask. Yeah. Oh, man. So, oh, oh, and we're going to talk about just, uh, we're, or I'm talk about, I'm going to hit, because that's really all these matches were, were just really rapid-fire hits. Real quick, for those of you who didn't know, John Cena was originally supposed to take on uh, Seth Rollins, I believe it was. Uh, no, uh, I don't remember who Lashley took. I guess it was Rollins because Rollins took on Lashley. It was supposed to be John Cena. But John Cena, being of sound mind, was like, uh, you know, no, not gonna, not going to take part in this. And so decided to not go to uh to saudi arabia and so they had to like contrive come up with a reason so the previous raw uh acting general manager baron corbin was like you know what bobby lashley even though you just got yourself dq'd and lost the match i like your style so i'm putting you in place of john cena uh logistically that made perfect sense you had to put somebody bobby lashley's hot right now put him in story-wise that made no sense Bobby didn't qualify. Granted, Cena didn't qualify either, but like, he's John freaking Cena. Like, I mean, let's all be honest, Kurt Angle qualifying also didn't make a lot of sense, but I like the way they had him qualify. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, well, I mean, he won a battle world, technically. Yeah, but I like that he came as the conquistador, and the, I like that little angle, but realistically you could argue there was no reason he needed to qualify as well. But if anybody didn't have to, it was John Cena. Like, he was the one who, who you know, brought America back to the spotlight. Uh, so, just rapid fire, they did, they did all of the first round matches back to back. Like, they had the two SmackDown ones, then they had the two Raw ones, and uh, then they took a break. And uh, nothing spectacular really happened, in my opinion. Uh, it just... It, so, obviously, somebody that hasn't watched, nothing was that special out of those matches? Uh, yeah, like, it was literally just like, uh, da-da-da-da, and then, uh, let's see, so the first one was uh, Mysterio versus Orton. That's who was on there. Mysterio and Orton. Uh, Mysterio and Orton... The only thing I took out of all that was uh, for the first match, Mysterio was in like a singlet. Like, you know, normally he just has the pants and he just doesn't wear a shirt. He had kind of like a singlet thing going on, which I thought was weird. That's all I took out of that, though. The match was so just by the books, numbers, you know, Rey Mysterio match that all I took out of that was, wow, he wore a different outfit. I don't know. That's the problem about both of them is I love Rey. I've been watching him since WCW. But right now, Ray matches are very formulaic. Yep. And when you put him in the ring with Randy Orton, he can hit the bell, I can close my eyes, and I can probably tell you what's going to happen in the Randy Orton match 
Orton back in there. Oh, yeah. Randy Orton is the definition of a wrestler that just phones it in. He's super talented, but unless Randy Orton truly cares about a match, he phones it in so much. about he's he's just a very by the numbers like he's done his he's done his time he's putting his numbers so it's like all right boom punch punch you know suplex ddt oh the the quote-unquote vintage orton ddt on the ropes and then arcio yeah pretty much so uh the the next one was hardy miz uh miz won with like very little offense like Miz was getting dominated most of this match and then just won. Uh, following that, like I said, these are real rapid fire because I don't even care. Uh, Rollins versus Lashley with Leo Rush, who I get the point. They're trying. They, they, Bobby Lashley himself can't make himself heal. So they were like, ah, oh, we got to put this really annoying guy on him so that he'll be. Well, Lashley like, isn't good on the mic, face, or heel. So you got to give him somebody. Yeah, but like. If Lashley just doesn't talk, his like mere presence and his like AAA, AA, whatever background, his NCAA background, he can be a face because he's like he's a classic wrestler. Look at him doing good job, good job, boy, good job. But he can't be good heel. Job, you look good, Lashley. But he can't be heel, so they got to get this annoying thing. Uh, See, I'm fine with it. Uh, I think. I mean, Lilo Rush great cruiserweight i never i knew he was small i never noticed how small he was until kevin kevin owens dwarfed over him i'm like oh wow you're like my size right like you um, you look at him next to lashley and you're like ah well yeah lashley's a big guy then you look at him next to ko and you're like ko's not a big guy i mean it's like ko's big but he's, he's like not like that imposing big guy that like if you saw walking on the street you're like i don't even want to talk to you because you will murder me uh but yeah, like it makes him look so small, but I, I don't know. I'm digging it because, uh, I I mean, he's super annoying, but he's supposed to be. Yeah. And I think he's just doing a really good job of just being that over the top. Every word that comes out of his mouth makes you want to punch him in the face, type guy. And he's so small, even better. Because then, as a fan, when you see a guy that's like your size. And he's just being so annoying. You're like, will somebody slap him? I can slap him. I could actually beat him up. Yeah, get over here. Let me take care of that. Uh, and so I think it works even more is because he's so good at being that annoying character that in because of how small he is, you, you know, in your mind, in the general uh, person's mind, they're like, I could take this guy. Somebody hit him. And so I think it makes him that much more cringeworthy isn't the right word, but grating uh, uh, on the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, I, I, just, I think he does a good job with what he does. Yeah, it's definitely like you're like, ah, oh, just oh, like you just want to. Oh. Yeah, he's frustrated. He he induces like frustration like no one else. But I I so, <laughs> wrestling's so weird. This is the one thing that you can watch and you're like, oh my god, that guy is like the most annoying, terrible human being ever. He's doing such a great job. Oh, I've said that all the time about the Miz. I hate the Miz for all the right reasons. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, this is one of those guys, he will never give you. Man, you get him on that mic, you hate him in a second. And he is just so, like you said, you hate him for all the right reasons. Like, he your buttons. And at the end of the day, you're like, you just pissed me off. God, that, great job. Good on you, bud. You know what? You know what? I'm mad at you, and that's okay. Uh, 
that all being said about us talking up Lashley, uh, Rollins won. Big big shock. Rollins is Rollins is a really good wrestler. Uh, but but so the reason I don't like that Rollins won is coming up. So Angle versus Ziggler. Why bring Angle back in this Angle angle and lose to Ziggler? Like I don't yeah, I don't get I it. Heard he lost that match, and I didn't get it either. Don't get me wrong. I I like a. Uh, uh, Ziggler, Ziggler's great, but I, when you told me, oh, Ziggler's facing Angle, I was like, that'd be a good match that Ziggler has no chance of winning, because all the promos for this tournament was basically Angle talking about how he's training for everyone in there first round. Yeah. So, yeah, it really didn't make a lot of sense to have, I mean, it's nice to see the older guys putting over into a talent, I get it. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call Ziggler newer talent but you know but it's still it's something that like i was i'm not surprised angle put over uh a newer guy i just didn't think it'd be ziggler i thought angle would beat ziggler and then put over Rollins. right so with 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 all that done our new our new semifinals uh was gonna be mysterio versus the miz and rollins versus ziggler and that's why I didn't like the way they did it because on our semifinals, we got Rollins versus Ziggler. Like we haven't seen that for the past two months over and over and over. Yeah. Like it's a great match, but they've done it so frequently within the past three to four months. Said, if you're, I don't want to be that guy and be like, Oh no, chocolate cake for dessert again. Well, but it's one of those things where it's like, you've had it so much where you're like, yeah, it's my favorite food, but maybe I don't need to eat it. Well, what it is is like with Rollins and Ziggler, it's chocolate cake. And occasionally it's like chocolate cake for like a birthday when it's for the title. And yeah. we've been getting a lot of birthday chocolate cake recently. And so we're like, this is great. And then the WWE is like, oh, yeah, the, here, here's some chocolate cake. And you're like, is it their birthday? And they're like, no, 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 just chocolate cake. And you're like, but how am I supposed to be invested then? Like, there's nothing at stake here. I mean, sure, yeah, no, sure, the greatest in the world shenanigans, but there's less stakes this time. I'm sorry. I know we're going to talk about the finals. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. You just start thinking about how that. Okay. It was the World Cup to crown the best in the world. Yep. Oh, we'll get there. That we have AJ and Samoa Joe for the WWE title, you know, the title that I thought meant in this company, best in the world. Right. And you have uh, on the same show as Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar for the vacated Universal title, you know. The best in the universe. Trying to tell me is a bigger deal than the regular title. Yeah, it's the it's the best in the universe. Oh. Why did we ca- call it a World Cup? World Cup, that would have been fine. Could have been like, oh, a tournament to crown the number one contender for insert title. Or a multitude of other words. Why are we saying that this means you're the best in the world? Just call it King of the Ring. I mean, like, why? What? You know what? Crown Jewel's new tagline. Why? Yeah, yeah this, this, this whole uh, pay-per-view can be summed up with why did you do it? Right. You didn't have to do it. Now, uh, after the World Cup shenanigans, uh, first round stuff, we got 
something I forgot was even a match, which was New Day versus The Bar and Big Show. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't know that that was on this card either. I didn't either, but then the New Day came out on a uh, magic carpet thing. Like, they looked like they were floating down the... Uh, Aladdin? Yeah, like it was like cool, but then you went, wait a minute, we're in Saudi Arabia. Ugh. A little, little racist, but you know what? It's the new day. They pulled it off. They didn't bring a lot of attention to it. They weren't dressed in like Arabic clothes. Like they weren't trying to be Aladdin. They were still the new day. They just were on this like contraption. No. I mean, not a fedora, but uh, what are those hats called? Uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, the hat that Aladdin and the Bee wear. Anyway, <laughs> that hat. No, nobody had that hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Either of those on, then the new day is there. How do you how do you come in on a magic carpet and you're not full blown Aladdin? Yeah, but that's just it though. I like that. Like it was like a magic carpet. You were like, really in Saudi Arabia? But then you were like, yeah, but it's still a new day. They're still throwing pancakes. Like, okay, well, you know what? This is just a new way for you get to get down to the ring. Fine, whatever. Uh. Shocking bar wins. Uh, no titles changed at a uh, offshoot pay per view. Whoa, I know. Uh, so after that, like I said, a lot of these matches were like, and they happen and they're gone. Uh, after that, we got the semifinals for the World Cup. Which now that you've brought that up, like I can't even say it. Like it just doesn't sound right to say. No, it doesn't, uh, especially other matches on this card right and especially with the winner uh don't even don't even so miz wins uh round two uh because of course he did the there was a little weird thing where like uh randy orton beat the crap out of mysterio after their match so mysterio was hurt and so of course the miz won uh and then ziggler wins round two because you know 50 50 booking if you're gonna have seth rollins be the intercontinental title still well fine you can't let him also go over ziggler uh, so yeah, that happened, and of course, you know, Drew McIntyre was being Drew McIntyre the entire time. Good, and, I yeah. I mean, like, but, but it was weird they brought it up, like as Ziggler was walking up the arena, back up the uh, ramp. One of the announce or you know interviewers or whatever was like, "It's cool that you won, but like, don't you feel a little like hollow victory, like because you know you had." some help and he was like whatever this is just another step on the, the best in the world and so it was like it's weird when they call out the fact that the guy is cheating you're like you're not supposed to like say that but anywho uh so after that we got our world title matches you know before the finals for the best in the world of course because in the world cup you're the best in the world you're the best in the world for a universal title be bigger than that Duh. yeah uh aj versus samoa which aj versus samoa which for the astute listeners will be like wait a minute weren't we supposed to get that dream aj daniel bryan match aha dearest viewer though because daniel bryan had the same mentality as uh john cena it's almost like it's uh, a sexually transmitted mentality uh oh i went there uh i did uh they uh, theirs was a little weirder though like with cena they were just like you know ah whatever he's he's out put that the guy in with this one they at least quote unquote gave us the match but and i and i rewatched it so you and i were discussing this earlier and i rewatched that match 
And in the, with your viewpoint on it, you may have had something. They they might have been a little annoyed with Brian uh, over his decision with this because it did kind of feel like they were like mashing it in uh, with him. Yeah, like it was, it was a great match. Um, and I, but just the victory, knowing that Daniel Bryan, like because with Cena, okay, let, let's break it down. With Cena. So, with the controversy of the pay-per-view, this could cause people to be like, ooh, some people don't like you now. We don't want to put you in a movie. So, that, like, totally jeopardized his career. So, in my opinion, he did the right thing by not going. But he also did, he saw a PR nightmare coming. With Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan's a wrestler. All he's doing is wrestling. He's already signed an extension with this company. He was just like, hey, I don't want to do that one show. Cena... Like, I mean, how's he going to get uh, punished? He's going to do movies and then going to pop in every once in a while. And by doing movies, that'll make him a bigger star when he comes back. So if you, it's the same thing as, like, with the uh, show. Paula Nash was leaving. Sean and Triple H came out. You know, they hugged and did their thing. Well, you're not going get, to uh, uh, get Sean in trouble. He's the champion. So it all runs down onto Triple H. You're not going to get Cena in trouble. He's the Hollywood movie star. So you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to take it out on anyone, it's going to be Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And I just feel like the tap out was kind of like a, yeah, he probably wasn't going to win the match in Saudi Arabia. But it's like, a, yeah, you weren't going to win the match. But now you're, you're tapping out. You're not pinned. Right. And we're not going to do the Styles Clash. No, you're, you're tapping. Yeah. It With your new, when you brought that up to me with that new outlook on it, I, I did start to go. Yeah, you know, you might you might have something there. So uh yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely give you that. That that with that new outlook, uh they definitely felt like they were splashing it. But we did get AJ and Samoa. Uh albeit I wrote I wrote here literally AJ versus Samoa dot 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 again. And there was no real build up to it. It was like so snap happening uh AJ won. Wow, cool. Hopefully we're not going to re- restart this feud again. We could just, come on, we're done. Uh, no, because now we have Raw versus SmackDown for uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, and I, it was weird that, like, I never thought Survivor Series to be the safe pay-per-view. I always thought Survivor Series had some weight to it, but nowadays it feels like, hey, did you keep your title at the last one? Cool, you're good for another month. Because they, yeah, pretty much because they have to do, they now do champion versus champion. Yep. So it's like, hey, you know, you get this match, and don't get me wrong, the three they've announced so far look really good. Oh, yeah. But they'll be fun, entertaining matches. But yeah, you're right. It's like, hey, you're good for a month. Uh, Come TLC in December, then you'll actually have to start sweating whether or not you lose that thing or not. But not this month. If only there was a pay per view specifically for champions, almost like, like one night. But it was just for the yeah, champions. Yeah. At one point, you know, every title could be up for grabs. Only if they had that. But you know, we're gonna do TLC instead because you know we just had a last woman standing match that had table ladders and cheers. Well, let's do TLC again. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and and following the the world title, uh, we moved on to the unfortunately, you know, 
uh, hashtag get better Roman. Uh, we unfortunately did still have to follow through with the Brock versus Samoa or sorry, Brock versus Strowman uh, match, which let's be honest, was not even a match. Uh, I know you didn't see it. And so not even, not even 10 minutes. Like, the match, the they, everyone came down. Uh, Baron Corbin, who feels like it's his job to just be involved in this whole thing, even though it was not his decision whatsoever. Uh, okay, the, the problem with Baron Corbin is this: he wasn't a good wrestler when he was wrestling. Correct. And he's never been good on the mic. My question is this: the general manager position on Raw, that is the position that basically the show revolves around, right? Like. When Angle, like, no matter what storylines were going on, when Angle was there, the show revolved around him because he had to make the matches, he had to stop stuff, he had to insert himself, whatever. And same thing with Corbin. Why one of the worst talkers on the Raw roster right now are you like, you know who the show should circle around? That guy that's not even good on the mic and isn't believable when he's angry, he isn't believable when he's happy, he isn't believable when he's, like, coming up to you guys. Like, Barry Corbin's like, hey! You're gonna be in a match. Like, dude, I don't even believe that you are making a match. He's he seems like the guy that actually owns the business. His like punk son that's just come being like, "You're fired," and the dad's like walking behind him, going, "Like, I believe nothing Baron Corbin does. Why do you make Raw revolve around him? Why do you put him in the center of this universal title thing? It's like." Corbin go and finally get a general manager. All I need out of a general manager give me somebody that can talk on the mic. Really? I don't have to like them. Just give me somebody that can talk on the mic. F it. Put Hogan in there. I don't even care. Just not Corbin. Oh, you, know, you know that's coming. You know that's the next step. He came to Saudi Arabia. He got a pop in Saudi Arabia. And you know Vince out back being like, oh, they like him again. Okay. General manager of Raw. Fine. He's not going to be a PR disaster. Fine. You know what? Fine. Anything that keeps Corbin from coming up there and acting like he's reading off of cue cards is fine. I am surprised I haven't uh, caught Corbin like looking down at his hand, and he has like written down his lines on his hand. Well, he is like he is so overly scripted. In backstage segments, he'll see a wrestler, and most of the time, most other people like will casually be like, "Hey, dude, hey, what's up, man? Hey, listen, you know, I was just talking to Stephanie." But he walks up and he goes, "Hi, Randy Orton." You yeah, that's the thing. He has to say the whole name. Like, it, like Kurt Angle, when he Kurt Angle wasn't the best, but at least he'd be like, what do you want, Randy? Or like, what do you want, Orton? He'll be like, Randy Orton? What is Randy Orton doing in my dressing room? Such the worst. And so to, to just put the cherry on how the worst he is, the match, right before the match started, Baron was like going, look, see, it's for the Universal title. Ha ha, see, I'm still here for something, reason. Uh, he clocked Strowman in the head with it for for no reason. Like it's not like there was a beef between Strowman and Corbin. It literally was just like I'm going to hit this guy so the other guy can win. There was no story. There was no reason. He just clocked Strowman with the title, for, which for some reason it's like I've never really understood why clocking someone with the title is the equivalent of getting hit with like a sledgehammer. Like it levels people. It's a leather belt with some metal on it, which, yes, would still technically hurt, but not like steel chair knockout hurt. Like, it's still just a belt. But Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't mind it dazing somebody or maybe even taking some ground 
maybe. Like you said, like they hit people with belts and they're like knocked out. And it's like, we get it. And it's Braun freaking Strowman. And you're like, the belt, oh, that just, it killed him for the match. And so. That's what I was about to say. The man that flipped over an ambulance gets hit by a belt from Baron Corbin. And it's like, I'm knocked out. I'm done. I can't can't possibly get up now. Yeah. And then uh, Brock literally hit five back-to-back F5s on him. And that was the match. He pinned him, and hey, look, Brock Lesnar's universal title champion again. It was below average. Like, it was even quicker than a regular Brock match because it was literally title hit, five F5s, pin. Like, the, even when, like, Strowman was kicking out of F5s, you were like, yeah, but we see where this is going. So, I don't know. Brock versus Strowman. Bleh. It was it was just it was almost an excuse to just give it to Strowman or to Lesnar because we couldn't just directly give it to Lesnar. But I, all right, here's the time in the program where I need to talk. Oh, hi, it's me, Jacob. Um, hold on, hold on. We got to put the like the really soft, sultry music. You got to stare like right into the camera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, give, give me. Uh, can we cue the violin? Yes, cue, we're gonna we're, cue the violin. Just just go. Hi, WWE. This is Jacob. We've had a nice relationship. We've had a nice, you know, time at it. You know, you gave me Brock Lesnar and told me I didn't need a heavyweight title on a show every week. I wasn't thrilled with the idea, but, you know, I went along with it, you know, months in advance. And finally, Roman Reigns build up and build up and build up. And I knew no one was going to be Brock for a year. Everyone knew it. But we, we, we swallowed it. Then, don't let Roman beat it. You let you drag it out. SummerSlam, then you finally give it to him. And I understand a sad thing happened to Roman. Need to hit a reset button. I understand Vince looks at Brock Lesnar as God's gift to wrestling. Just maybe, and when you hit the reset button, instead of giving it to the guy that everyone up over the last year of never seen and he just pops in whenever he wants to and defends it leaves again maybe you give it to the guy that at one point was the most organically over character on your show that you didn't give him the title then because oh we have to build uh brock up as even stronger so when roman beats him it's special for roman maybe you give it to him because i'm not mad that brock lost but i am mad that Rome, uh, that Strowman has had a title shot. Give it to him. Just, I don't even know if a Braun Strowman title reign is awesome or not, but I'd like to just see it to decide for myself whether it's awesome or not. It could be terrible, but let it be terrible. Yeah, no. And you know what? You know what? I like what you did there. Because you know what? We're going to move on to the next segment of the show. Which, hi, WWE. It's me, Ace. Uh, just like my buddy Jake, you know, we've known each other a while. And uh, I, just have, I just have to be honest with you for a moment. Um, if you're going to have a contest called the World Cup to determine the, quote, best in the world, unquote, and you're going to put together uh, Ziggler uh, versus The Miz, and, you know, it's it's a nice, cool match to kind of Healy characters from their respective brands. Uh, and then you have the the managers or the general managers come down, uh, you know, and Shane McMahon and 
acting general manager Baron Corbin uh, to watch the match. And so far, so good. You're doing good. And then you have the Miz get injured. And you're like, oh, well, this is unexpected. But it's cool. You're pushing Ziggler, giving him the best in the world. Ziggler could use a new little push. Miz has got his thing. Ziggler doesn't really have much. Good on him. And then have your general manager, Shane McMahon, go over to the Miz and somehow make it cool with the Miz to demand no Miz isn't count that Miz isn't called off of this match, you know, forfeiting to Ziggler. No, 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 no. I'll go into the match. Put me in, coach. And then, on top of that, not even have a match, but just a Shane spot fest. Ziggler just immediately started getting trashed. So much as, like, watching a coast-to-coast coming from, like, six miles away. And with Shane, bless his heart's very sloppy way of moving about the ring and dragging people into places for pins... You let Shane win, and then instead of going SmackDown wins, no, no, quote, Shane is the best in the world. <sighs> well, I mean, of course. I mean, why wouldn't a McMahon be the best wrestler in the world? Look at what company you're dealing with. But! I mean... You're going to have qualifying matches. You're going to have a tournament in Saudi freaking Arabia. And then to put the cherry on top of the, well, McMahon's are really pissing me off having this show sandwich. You let Shane literally crown himself best in the world. Holds the trophy up. Now, bless his heart. As he was walking up the ramp, you could audibly hear him going, Smackdown one, Smackdown one. So maybe Shane wasn't really in on the calling it him the best in the world because he very much was like portrayed to be doing this for Smackdown, which kind of negated his whole like if you make it to the finals and then you F up and don't bring this home, then you won't have a place on Smackdown. Uh I really, I really, when he inserted himself into the match, I really wanted Ziggler to win, and then Shane would have to to fire himself. Like, I, oh my god, that was such a better storyline. I was like, oh my god, like they're gonna put Shane in, and then Shane's gonna lose, and he's gonna have to follow through with his statement that if a SmackDown wrestler makes it to the finals and doesn't make it, he won't have a helm on SmackDown. That's how you get Shane off SmackDown. I'm for this plan. But no, that's not what they did. They just gave it to Shane. So I read something uh, that I do not believe. So they said the reason for Shane becoming best in the world is because they're about to turn Shane heel. And that this will be the catalyst for him, like, getting this big ego and then, like, become, like, a Mr. McMahon-type character where, you know, if you don't like what he has to say, then, you know, he's going to find a way to make you lose and blah, blah, blah. See, but, I do, see, I think that would be a catalyst for doing that, but it would be an, it would be okay in the long term with me. But what I think they're going to do is, since we're about to do Survivor Series and it's Raw or SmackDown, Shane's just going to come out each week 
with whatever he decides is the SmackDown team with that trophy and be like, look, we have a trophy. We have the best wrestlers in the world. I have a trophy that says so. Look, the best wrestler in the world. Raw doesn't have a trophy that says the best wrestler, so we're the best wrestlers. And it's just going to be this stupid feud for the Raw versus SmackDown elimination match. And it's going to be dumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we already know it's going to be dumb. So, I mean, that's not exactly like a, a shock. But, like, all in all, how are you going to build up this entire uh, pay-per-view? Make this whole big thing about the World Cup and give it to Shane. That's all I'm finishing on that because he didn't even th- th- that storyline doesn't even deserve more talk. But here's the fun part. So after we got that big revelation, we were like, "Oh, well, that was a really awful pay per view." Like, wow, I can't believe they just swerved us. And then we all forgot. Oh wait, Brothers of Destruction versus DX. Give WWE credit if they know they've got a pile of crap that they've moved to a pile of crap or having hosted by a pile of crap and turned their story into a pile of crap. They realize that at the end, we at least have to give the fans something they want to watch. And while I'm not exactly super thrilled with the ending, because it does like you don't really have a, a good ending for either of them, honestly, but so like spoilers dx1 spoiler triple h's team went on top spoilers but yeah i didn't watch this match um sean michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time i'm probably not gonna watch this place on principle can you give me a in great detail of every move he did please please so I saw a video that he did a moonsault, and it was very nice. Oh, okay. So the moonsault was good because uh, at one point you saw him setting up for it, and you had he had this look on his face of like, "Well, I'm here." I guess. All right. He he almost had an effort look on his face, like he was on the top rope. He looked back and saw them, and you saw him kind of look forward, and be like, "All right, I'll do it." And he he did the moonsault. It was really good. Uh, you can tell that. Kane and uh, Undertaker are, you know, have been at this for forever. That like they're really good at like taking it, but also making sure that uh, Shawn Michaels isn't trying to kill himself. Uh, Shawn Michaels handed out sweet chin musics like a record store was going out of business. Uh, there, there was a bunch of really neat moments. Oh, side note on that moonsault, apparently that moonsault was so vicious. That it knocked Kane's mask off, and that was yeah. No, I, I saw that like whenever he did the moves, I said I've just seen like a little uh, Jeff or Jeff. Yeah. Or you want to it. Mo- Before, mo- uh, moving image. Did, like, the I saw that like the, like Undertaker were almost like not properly there for him. So like Undertaker got like his side. But, like, Kane got, like, Michael's knee to his face on that moonsault. Oh, yeah. Like, they were like, he's going to do it. And then, like, you know, normally, like, the moonsault is this big prep. Like, they kind of crouch and they do this big spring off. But, like, Michael's is just, like, boing, like, just shot backwards. And they were just like, oh, ah, ah. And uh, the the quickest thing that Kane could get in the way to catch uh, Michael's was his face. And uh, it knocked his mask off, which was weird because normally that would be like, you know, ah, he got his mask knocked off, you know, 
that's crazy but like this is like new Kane where we've seen his face so it was weird that like yeah. he immediately grabbed it and like sh- you know shoved it back on like no, no 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 I gotta keep the mask on it's like dude like the only thing I should think of he's like crap I'm mayor now I don't need to <laughs> Guy. And it's like I'm pretty certain they knew they voted for the mask wrestler. <laughs> Crap! I can't let them know Glenn Jacobs is over in Saudi Arabia right now. Ah! Uh, like today in like Knox County, there's a storyline. It's like mask falls off a wrestler. Did you know who you voted for? Filmed at eleven. Does it matter? Like I, I, I as a quick aside, I feel like Kane could have won that entire election if he just went out as Kane. And oh, yeah, like I think. Like, the devil's favorite demon, and all this, and they would be like, Yep, voting for you. Vote for you. Oh, what's that? You're gonna send crime straight to hell? Awesome, done. Vote. I'm sorry, if that wasn't slogan yeah something is wrong with glenn jacobs because how is your campaign slogan not i'm sending crime straight to hell right and like every time he walks off i'm gonna burn burn down the deficit yeah he get he ends with a debate and like it's one of those where you can definitely tell he just did like the best point in the debate he just tosses his hands down and flames shoot up (laughs) yeah it's like the other person is just like no i drop out i'm done i'm not i'm not fighting against demon uh, I mean, American politics are already enough of a circus that, you know, having like, an, not not a person that was a wrestler, but an actual is. Yeah. right now, it, it works. It fits. It, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's not like Booker T running for mayor of like, I think Dallas or Austin or something. And it's not, you know, uh, uh, Jesse Ventura or whatever. Yeah. No, this is Glenn Jacobs, active WWE wrestler Kane is now mayor of Knoxville. And you're just like, like whenever he goes to events, he's not in a suit. He's in his tights. He's in the mask. He may have like an American flag pin on his tights, but that's that's about as far as he goes. He's like on the phone with like the treasurer, and he hears his music. Oh, I gotta go. Hold on. Like, oh man. Hold on a second. I gotta do my thing. Hold on, my hold on. My brother's calling me. Hang on. Uh, so yeah, that 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 to me was ironically one of the best ways they could have ended uh, the pay-per-view was having a really, really good Legends match, basically. Like, Kane, I don't know if they consider him Legends just yet, but if not, he is. Like, he definitely I, is. Character Legend status. Like, I don't think there are too many Kane matches you can point to and be like, those are all-time, all-time matches. But I think as far as storylines and what his character has done, just his... I would say he yeah, just his Kane Undertaker feud alone will win him. Uh, if you ignore the, well, just that, I will never forget him and Shane's feud. Yeah, he strapped jumper cables to Shane's balls and shocked him. Yeah, if you just ignore the Kane Lita saga, then he's had a really good career. Yeah, and well, and if you ignore the fact that he was part of storyline with Katie Beth. Yeah. Although everyone hates on Corporate Kane, but the one thing that I loved the most that came out of Corporate Kane was the moment with Seth Rollins where there were two Canes. Like everyone at first was like, oh, he thinks it's funny. Like that there's, you know, he doesn't realize that it's the second part. But then, like for a moment, there was technically two Canes. And you were yeah. like, like and they they you know they were like oh no that's that's gotta be Kane and then they were like no it can't be because like the Kane we know corporate Kane he, he's got a he's got his foot foot in a boot this one doesn't you know like yeah it almost it reminded me of the old uh 
1994 uh, SummerSlam uh, Undertaker versus Undertaker when there was the fake Undertaker and the real Undertaker. Right, but like it was a yeah, it was a moment like that. I actually was wondering, like for a split second, I was like, are they gonna do a storyline where there's like an actual oh hey this is a demon Kane and then like oh this is Glenn Jacobs and they are two separate people, you know? Yeah, it that's what I loved the most about the corporate Kane angle was that. But uh, to wrap up. Crown Jewel was definitely was anything but a Crown Jewel. Uh, it, was, it was there was not nothing. The only quote unquote title change was the uh, the Universal title was given to somebody. Like I wouldn't even call it a change. Someone was just like, "Ah, well, we we could have just given this to you, but we didn't want to." So you know what? You're gonna you're gonna win it at Crown Jewel. Uh, the SmackDown tag team titles technically got contested but like not really uh the raw tag team titles are like just who knows what's going on with them uh they gave it away in like a pawn shop or something well i'm sure you know no one really knows what happens when they decide to like give it to the shield and then break the shield up at the same time uh like seriously like is seth rollins like tag like are we gonna see a match where it's like the revival versus seth rollins for the tag titles who knows I I actually don't know if they know what to do with that because they've already booked Seth for, uh, for you know the IC versus the US title match. Uh, yeah, that, that's weird because it's like that Ambrose storyline is very interesting, it, and as far as Raw, it's probably their best storyline intrigue uh, wise that they have going. Nakamura versus Seth Rollins, so it's like, are you going to put him kind of on hold ish? For a month, uh, the, yeah, because especially is that they they are go, they're gonna want to put the tag teams against each other to see who's the better tag team. How are they gonna do that? Like, I I think that uh, Seth is gonna have to lose those titles or give them up or something, uh, so that they can do the tag versus tag match. It'll probably be the only title going into Survivor Series that actually gets changed. I guess, but who who knows? I don't know. Uh. It's interesting, though, that you brought up uh, the IC versus the U.S. title because here on the new Quick Pop version 2, we're going to have a little segment uh, called Talking Titles uh, where we kind of get more in-depth. A lot of the titles, we talk about them, you know, the Universal title, the Intercontinental title, uh, you know, uh, the dual tag titles, the dual women's titles, you know, they get really lost up in the in the color coordinated shuffle. Uh, when a lot of these titles have really, really long histories, universal title notwithstanding. Uh, and so what we want to start with, in no particular order, uh, but officially particular order, is we're going to start with the U.S. title, which, in my personal opinion right now, it's kind of the low-hanging fruit of the titles. Like, the U.S. title has always been considered a mid-card title. But this one really feels like a mid-card title. Like, it doesn't have the same respect uh, that it used to, for sure. Uh, what are your thoughts, like, on the, the current state of the U.S. title? think much about it uh someone that came over from new japan and other than his very first nxt title match i haven't been 
WWE. I think he does such a hard-hitting style that they've watered him down to where he's not that entertaining. And he has a lot more personality, too. And I think that him having that title right now put on him to be like, hey, let's we've never made him actually feel like a big deal. We let him win the Royal Rumble and lose to AJ like five times in a row. Um, so here, let's give him a title to make him feel like he's worth something. But then they give him they haven't made feel special in years. Like, they've worked on the Intercontinental with Seth. Like, I think the last time I remember actually hearing about the U.S. title was the AJ-Kevin Owens feud. Yeah. Oh, and it was just them passing the title back and forth. But still, even though sometimes passing the title back and forth can get annoying, it felt like it was two guys that are at the top of their game, so just they're just getting one up on the other one. So it felt special. Uh, or at least it felt worth fighting for. But ever since that feud broke off, a title it's another title on a pay-per-view that feels like it's more of a prop than an actual championship. Yeah, like, me personally, I feel like the last great U.S. title run was the short-lived, but still-lived, uh, John Cena Open Challenge run. Where every single week he, you know, was like, who wants a piece? Uh, that Didn't that uh, also lead into Seth beating him for that title and becoming dual uh, heavyweight U.S. champion? Uh yeah, that was uh it was a winner takes all match uh where Rollins was also defending the world heavyweight at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those uh yeah that title run was good. I think Seth's dual uh run was also pretty good as well. Uh, short because ironically, Cena took it right back. Uh, but it it was good because it was the first time that. It, the U.S. title wasn't treated as like the lesser title. Like I have this title and this title. Like it, there was some weight to it. Um, yeah. So, since we're talking about the U.S. title, little history on the U.S. title. Uh, for some, we're gonna do some kind of like s- small range stats and some big range stats. Uh, over the last year, the average title reign has been about forty-one days. Uh, which is interesting because basically that equates to the U.S. title on average, not officially, but on average, changing every like every to every one to one and a half pay per views, the U.S. title changes hands. You know, on average, like not officially, because there was a lot where like someone had like you know three days, eight days, seventeen days, nine days. This is you know within the last year, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Uh, so like the title doesn't hasn't really stuck to someone uh, in a long long time. Uh, with the shortest reign of the last year or so, uh, being Kevin Owens, who like touched it and then lost it, you know. Yeah, and uh, I think that was that weird house show event. Uh. Uh, yeah, yeah, when he lost it to uh, AJ. AJ had a pretty short one somewhere in the middle of them passing it back and forth where he only had it for like a month or something. Too, so Kevin Owens had it, lost it to AJ at a house show, and then like 
two weeks later, Kevin got it back at Battleground, but then lost it to AJ again, like the SmackDown following. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because it was a triple threat with uh, <coughs> Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, so the longest within the last year or so was Roman Reigns. Uh, held that held that for about 107 some odd days. Like he within the last year. Right before that was Rusev, who kind of held it a little longer. <coughs> but within the last year, strictly speaking, Roman Reigns held it the longest. Uh, and I was slightly wrong. I did a little bit more digging, and uh, I originally thought that the longest reign for the U.S. title was Montel Vontavious Porter, also known as MVP. I have, <coughs> I however, was wrong. <coughs> On May 19th of 2013 at Extreme Rules, Dean Ambrose run, won the U.S. title and held it for 351 days. Only losing it to Sheamus in a 20-man battle royale. Oh, that was his S.H.I.E.L.D. run. Mm-hmm. That was when... Yeah, when the S.H.I.E.L.D. first came in. Yep. He won the title to be like, hey, the S.H.I.E.L.D. is a big deal. And they only... <laughs> matches while he held the title and he like defended it every like three months yep but he did hold it for 351 days before losing it to Sheamus on Raw in a 20 man battle royale so go figure the more you know the more you know so Dean Ambrose is the current out of I guess technically everyone uh let me do a quick look see yeah he is uh well okay let's let's take a slight step back. Rick Rude had it for a long time, but that was like that's WCW. That's WCW, you know. So they don't they don't really recognize that. But in the terms of WWE, uh, he is the longest uh, reigning U.S. title holder ever, which is very impressive. Uh, it's also something I'm surprised because they love to tout like the longest this that and the other, and they seem to really like all three members of the Shield. That's funny. That's something that they've never really touted uh, Dean Ambrose on. Because here's what's interesting. Dean Ambrose has only had it for, like, only had it once and held it for 351 days total, whereas Chris Benoit had it five times and only managed to clock in 357 days held. But, uh, we do not speak of uh, the one. No, it's, it, time has passed. They, they should. Is the Voldemort of wrestling? You do not say his name. No, the Voldemort of wrestling would be uh, Vince Russo. But uh, it, uh, you know what? At some point, you have to 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 separate the man and the wrestler, and realize that the wrestler was a submission machine during his time. Oh, the wrestler was phenomenal. Uh, I love. Okay, saying say, say I love and Chris Benoit in the same sentence. It it feels weird. It feels weird. Yeah. But like no like. I really liked him in WCW, and I think he got even better when he came over to WWF. Yep. Uh, and him, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H at WrestleMania 20 is still, I think, a probably top 10 all-time WrestleMania match. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, it it feels like 10, 20, and 30 always had those big moments, and that was the big moment was, was him yeah. winning that. Uh, 
So here's here's what I don't really like about about the US title. It it definitely feels like I don't want to I hate this all. It feels like a shiny bracelet that you lucked out and and are holding on to. There doesn't feel like any weight behind uh winning or losing it. Uh for that example, I was talking about this earlier in the pre-show, which we don't record, that it's a very recent trend of titles only changing at pay-per-views. That weeklies are meant to move the story along, and the titles only change at pay-per-views. Except for the U.S. title. The U.S. title has recently uh, often changed on a on a weekly show since well okay to give you kind of example we're here you know the last title change was like back in july with shinsuke right which is weird to think about because how often has shinsuke actually defended the title since then and it that was july and we're in november uh there have only been five title holders in all of 2018 and it was Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal, Jeff Hardy, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Also, another thing about uh, this Shinsuke title run that I think is making the U.S. title so forgettable is who has actually faced Shinsuke that, like, either the lead-up to the match, or heck, even if it's just a match on SmackDown, that before that bell rings, you're like, ooh, Shinsuke for the title. Like, Shinsuke's had matches against Ty Dillinger. I like Ty Dillinger. He is what he is. But, I mean, it's like, Come on, let's face it. Ty Dillinger isn't going to go from obscurity to beating Shinsuke for the title. And, like, I, he had some matches against Rusev, and I guess Rusev was uh, someone that you could point to and go, yeah, he, you know, he's a former champion. He could beat Shinsuke. But all those matches have been on SmackDown, where it's like you find out the night of that they're wrestling each other, and it's like, unless they're just doing a seismic shift, you know, Rusev's probably not going to beat him tonight. It's funny you say that. Uh, Why's that? Because at... The kickoff show for Crown Jewel, they did have Shinsuke versus Rusev, and it was announced 24 hours before the pay per view. Yeah, because that's that that just shows you how much they care about this title. Is it's like, oh, we need one more match. Uh, what are we not done? U.S. title. Oh, that's still a thing. Cool, throw it on the card. Yeah, Intercontinental title's busy with the World Cup. All right. Uh... Did we put Shinsuke in the World Cup? No, no, that would have been smart. Uh, we put Rusev in the World Cup? No. No. Let's just let them have a match outside the World Cup. Let's let the Americans fight for the World Cup and let all those foreigners fight for the U.S. title. Yeah, it's that's literally as backwards as it can get, but that's what happened. Uh, and it, it just, when you look at, like, this year alone, Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal, Jeff Hardy, and Shinsuke Nakamura. I know that the Intercontinental and the U.S. title are typically considered to be mid-card titles. But that doesn't mean you have to give them to guys who are typically considered mid-card players. Like Bobby Roode and Jinder Mahal and Jeff Hardy when he's not in a tag team. Like, can we can we give it to somebody who will elevate it and not to somebody who just fits? Like in 2017, we had 
well, okay, this might not be the best of examples, but at least it shows you that there was some fight. In 2017, we had Jericho Owens, Jericho Owens, Styles Owens, Styles Corbin Ziggler. So while, yeah, you, you could, hey, <laughs> you could argue. Think of, those names. think of all those names and one of these names is not like the other. Oh, one of these names is definitely Baron Corbin. Uh, and it's true. That may have been the downfall because it was Baron Corbin. Then Ziggler had it for nine days and then he vacated it. Yeah. Like there was that weird vacate thing where he was like, oh, Ziggler's leaving. And then he didn't really leave. It's like he won the title and he was like, yeah, I don't really care. So I don't know. And once again, how are you going to make me care about a title? When he's like, I'm leaving and you don't know how good you have it with me. So I'm just going to leave this title here. And two weeks later, he's like, I'm back. Like, don't you want to go fight for the title you have? No, I'm good. Nah. Are there any other actual championships I can fight for? No, I'm going to go for the other mid-card title. Yeah, right. You know, the one that I actually like. Yeah. Like, that. that I, I think the Ziggler uh, move, as far as just, like, from a fan base watching for that, but I think that was the main roadblock, is, like, you had a guy win it. You know, you had this whole, y'all don't know how good you have it with me so i'm going to leave and show you how you know and let you remember how great i was and drops less than a month later he comes back and it's not even going after the title that he left he's just like i'm back guys and i don't give a crap about that title and it just as a fan how am i to watch this with the guy throwing the title back down leaving and then coming back and be like oh, i don't want the title i never lost why would i do that i'm i'm back can i go on another show i mean it's just makes you think if Ziggler didn't care enough about the title to go back after it, why is it even important? Yeah, why should I care? So, uh, the the last, well, the last real good uh, U.S. title angle was uh, probably the either the Open Challenge or the the Rollins run. Uh, those kind of go back and forth. The open challenge, because, you know, it was like being defended every single week. The Rollins run, because he, like, elevated it to the heavyweight championship level. So, like, they both kind of brought it up. Even Roman Reigns, when he had it, was not too terrible. I mean, sure, that was right in the We Hate Roman uh, phase of WWE Universe. But it was was a top guy with, with the title, so... But in my personal opinion, the last fun U.S. title thing was when uh, Jericho, I guess, technically won it off of Roman Reigns in a two-on-one handicap match. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, he, uh, it was Jericho and Owens versus Roman, wasn't it? Right. And so there was this whole thing of like, so did Jericho win or is it like Jericho is the U.S. title? Like, could they both have it? Like, that's the type of fun we don't have with WWE. And I'm so upset because like, that's just one of the points where you can point to where it's like, how much fun would it have been if like walking down the aisle, like both of them are holding like a different, like, corner of the strap you know yeah and then like uh they just take turns you know whoever that night wants them to face so like you don't know whether you're facing jericho or owens and stuff like that that would have been 
things like that would be fun. Yeah. Why don't we do fun things in this company anymore? Yeah, you get a title match against the – they don't call it, like, title match against Jericho or title match against Owens. They just say title match against the U.S. title holder. And so, like, yeah. the day of, you know, they kind of, like, rock, paper, scissors to see who's going to defend it. And themselves, like you said, like when uh, Jericho, it could have been like the United States champion Jericho. Yeah, that that was the last fun one. AJ Styles winning it at the house show was random and it was fun and kooky, but that was that started to be the downfall because when you change a title on something that literally like ninety percent of your audience doesn't get to see, and then even after you win it, you just give it like right back to the guy. Who then gives it right back to the guy who then gives it to Corbin? That's the giving it to Corbin. That's the problem. Um, the back and forth, I'm fine with the back and forth uh, to a certain extent. I don't think they need to happen all the time. Well, like I think when you're trying to set up in storyline that these two are two top tier guys and they're just getting the best out of each other, I think that's fine. I like and dislike. I like from a business standpoint, whereas you're letting a title change hands at a house show, so it's like anything can happen, so that then you're trying to boost house show numbers, you know, making more people come because, oh, you know, they could, you know, change the title in my city, so I want to go see. But from a fan perspective, have, you know, a network, it's annoying because it's like, oh, I would have liked to have seen that match, and you have a network where you could have shown me that match. Well, because, like, Kevin Owens had the title. And then July 7th, the house show happens and AJ Styles wins it. And so to the average TV viewer, you know, they get on SmackDown to watch Kevin Owens come out with a title. AJ Styles is walking out with the title. And you're like, what? And then now they're like, oh, yeah, because now at Battleground, Kevin Owens is going to have to fight for the title back. And so at Battlegrounds, Kevin Owens wins it back. You're like, all right, cool. Natural status quo has been resumed. You know, he took it back. And then three days later, you give it back to AJ on SmackDown, like he should have done in the first place. If you wanted it to be on AJ's belt, it's almost like they did the house show thing. And then everyone was like, yeah, that was a really dumb way to switch the title. And so they're like, all right, cool. We'll give it to Kevin Owens at the paper for you. And then three days later, give it just right back to AJ Styles basically doing the house show thing over, but it's on TV this time. The thing, I think that house show was at Madison Square Garden. It was probably just, you know... Oh, it was just... It was definitely because it was at the square, like... You just wanted to do something special at Madison Square Garden. Right. But then it's like that backfired, so they were like, all right, give it back to Kevin, and then right back to AJ. And then Corbin. That should just be a new thing. Just, and then Corbin. I mean, that's pretty much like if something bad happens in WWE and then they just stockpile, it's just like, oh, they did the stupid line. And then Corbin. And then Corbin. So that, that I mean, without getting too much into the very deep, deep history, because, I mean, there's some hugely deep history. We could go back to the WCW where, like, the title, it, it changed hands frequently back then as well. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of huge, long reigns back in the WCW era. But there were some very strong, strong reigns. Uh, I mean, let's let's not forget when uh, Steve Austin held it for, like, an hour. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
at, back at uh, Fall Brawl 94 War Games. You know, he held it for an hour, it feels like, and then gave it to Hacksaw Jim Duggan for reasons. Uh, so, I mean... It was a great move. You know, you have an on-the-rise star, but let's give it to this older guy that just came over here from another company, and we had to make the other company look... So, yeah, there is... <laughs> there was definitely some some odd events uh but we we won't get into to a lot of that cuz i mean oh boy could you talk about all the crazy things that went down with the US title in the WCW era uh when stuff you know was defended on nitro yeah because uh, there was title changes all the time on nitro because they were fighting for ratings yep so so that's been just a brief history of the WWE uh, U.S. title. Fantastic title. Uh, had a strong start uh, because the fun part about the U.S. title is it was often given to people who weren't quote-unquote U.S. Deary, Edge, uh, Eddie Guerrero, you know, Carlito. Like, it was very interesting that the U.S. title was on a foreigner. Uh but lately, it's literally just the reskinned version of the Intercontinental title, but even less cared about. Yes. For me, okay, so we'll close out the show because I wouldn't say we're running long, but, you know, we don't want to just ramble. Uh, what to you, since you've watched wrestling, was a big defining U.S. title moment? I'll let you do yours, and then I'll give you mine. Put me on the spot here. Um, I said most recent memory, uh, AJ and Moritz. Um, you made a good point. The John Cena open challenge was good. Um, in the early heyday, uh, Eddie's run with the U.S. title. Fun run. Some early fun with that title for a while. That was decent. See, that's the thing with that belt is like I don't. Well, no, no, no. That moment. Well, that again. When I give you the caveat, this can be since you've watched wrestling, not the WWE specifically, but since you started watching wrestling, what was the defining oh, U.S. title well, moment for you? I'm gonna say it comes. It just. Uh, I, I'll go with WCW for my defining one, but I will go with. Um, the defining WWE moment. Um, Orlando Jordan threw John Cena's U.S. spinner belt in the trash. That was a defining moment to me because that title was a piece of trash. And I was so glad to get rid of John Cena's spinner, spinner U.S. title belt. Um, defining U.S. title? Oh, DDP's run. Um, I, I love DDP and WCW. And his <laughs> whole run with the U.S. title, um, especially there's one match, it's not not the greatest match in the world, but I love watching it. And it's uh, Chris Benoit, DDP, and Raven in a no-holds-barred match from Uncensored, I believe, maybe 96. Um, <clears throat> I thought that match was a lot of fun. But I love DDP's title run as U.S. champion. I, th I, th I think his title run was a lot of fun with a bunch of really good matches. That was in the era where he did the where he did the out-of-nowhere thing Randy Orton did, does now. But it was like he did, did diamond cutters from everywhere. He was like 
doing like F5s and turning them into diamond cutters. If you're on the top rope, he'd like hit the rope and then like grab you and diamond cut you off the top rope and all this stuff. I thought his title run was a lot of fun. So I guess gun to my head, I have to do say something now. I'll say DDP's title run. You know what? I can respect that. That I will 100% say that that was a fantastic run uh, by DDP. No, can't take anything from that. An interesting point that you made is actually counter to what I was going to say, in which case you brought up Orlando Jordan throwing away the spinner belt. Uh, while you could, you know, while you could argue uh, that, yeah, it was it was awful. <sighs> Early 2000s, late 90s, me. That ironically, that particular run with the belt was personally my my defining U.S. title moment. And since I've watched because. Because so, wait, so, so my, one of my defining moments was tossing it. Yes, but not necessarily for the same reason. Because yes, the belt was tacky as hell. Okay, like there's not there's nothing against it. You know where you cannot bring up the fact that like it was not tacky as hell. To me, what made that such a big deal was because for uh, during that time. You know, it was like JBL and Orlando Jordan just kind of had a stranglehold on the U.S. title and just was not letting it go. And it was during that time that it was like that very, very, very heavy, uh, you know, like back and forth between John Cena and JBL. Like they had that huge heated rivalry. And uh, the reason I loved it is because as like, remember, this was like when we were all, you know, high school, like younger aged, it was, correct me if I'm wrong, it was the first new, almost personalized title. Like it brought up. The first one since, uh, well, Stone Cold had the Smoking Skull belt. The Rock technically had a Brahma Bull belt when he only had it for like a month and he just went back to the normal title. So if you want to count the Rock's Brahma Bull belt, it was the first title personalized since the Rock's Brahma Bull. Right. So the reason I liked this so much is because we all got really, really, really stuck on uh, the title just being the title just with a different nameplate on the front. You know, all the, all the titles were, well, this is the title. You just get a new nameplate. I feel like Cena doing the, you know, Thugonomics version of the, uh, the U.S. title and the subsequent Thugonomics version of the WWE title. You don't touch the world heavyweight because it's the world heavyweight. But the, th- the Thugonomics version of the WWE title with the spinner and everything like that. I feel like that gave rise to the new thing of having the side plates on the title belts that are the wrestler's logo or name or whatever. Like, you know, like, like it brought back the uh, customization and uh, yeah, I I will say that it gave rise to that. Like you said, every title can be customizable, um, but yet it's the same title. Yeah. It's still the same title. But you can look at a title 
and go, ah, that was, you know, blank's title. Like you could say the same thing with the originals and everything with the nameplate thing, but that was like just I know that they probably got a different belt like made because I mean I'm sure WWE has like you know the licensing gig of licensing gigs with the belt maker. Uh, yeah. well, uh, no, they they now so Dave Millicamp was the guy that originally made all the old belts in the 80s and 90s. They switched to different company that they now own with all the new, as I call them, uh, um, so all like the new ones that are just like the W's and stuff like that, it's basically a belt-making company that they own now. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Right, and so since they just have the big, giant, diamond-encrusted W, uh, they had to give you some personalization, and so I, I like that they've evolved it into those side plates where it's yeah. different for each wrestler that has it. Uh and I feel like, in my personal opinion, that that was started with Cena doing the Cena belt. I could get behind that. I would make the argument that it was started with Stone Cold Smoking Skull belt. Oh, for but sure. But, like, I, uh, what I guess what I mean by that is, like, when Cena did it to the WWE Championship, that became the norm. Yeah. My one problem with his WWE Championship, though, is that sh- the spinner for the WWE title should have been his belt. When somebody beat him, there should have been like a regular WWE title. Like the spinner belt shouldn't have been everyone ti- everyone's title. That was John Cena's title. Oh, for sure. You know? But that's what I'm saying, though, is, you know, you could argue the Screaming Skull belt for Stone Cold. You could argue the, the Rama Bull belt for The Rock. But I, for a period of time, even with the U.S. title, which obviously transitioned back. Like not long after what they had Orlando Jordan toss the belt and bring back the the classic, but when Cena did that started with that evolved into Cena doing it with the WWE title, and I think that was the first customized where where WWE was like, all right, that's just it now. Now, granted, they went back to that really stupid putting the nameplates on the front of it again, but that I think that moment of title customization. Gave us the WWE title, gave us the really niche, you know, tacky but niche spinner title thing, and kind of gave rise to the, you know, same but also different titles that we have now, like with the with the side plates. So that to me is why that particular moment is the defining moment for me because it had such, in my opinion, far reaching effects down the line. I get your point there. I can go with that. Yeah. I mean, I can get with you throwing my point in the garbage can, but you know, I mean, (laughs) sometimes you need to put things where they belong. Anyway, I'm just going to point out you were sitting there. I was like defining over and you're like, Going through and going through, and you're like, oh, WCW. And I'm like, okay, good. Yes, you go to WCW. And then you're like, but first, real quick, WWE, when they tossed, and then you said the belt. And I was like, dead <laughs> gummit. Now I've got to talk about how it was cool. Uh, but that's but the. Also, I'm just not a big John Cena fan. I, also hey, you, you and, you know, literally 50% of the WWE universe. Yeah. 
I, I kind of don't think I'm stepping out on a uh, ledge on that one. Nope, not in a minority there. In fact, you're probably right there down the middle. But that has been the inaugural return of the Quick Pop Podcast. Uh, I am now at the helm, and so these will either be a lot more rapid or just as delayed, just depending on my ADHD level. Uh, but we thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, uh, follow whatever particular button you're using. Make sure you press it so you can know when we're letting out new content. Follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. We'll have all the links down in the description below. Thank you once again to what will probably turn into more of a permanent uh, co-host position. Uh, Jake, I hate the U.S. spinny title. Uh whatever your last name is. That's just going to be your last name. Jake, I hate the spinny title. Uh, you what? I accept it. <laughs> Welcome our new host, Jake, hates the spinny title. Uh, I just want you to know that's not my new Twitter handle. I'm changing it as we speak. <laughs> changing it to Jake hates, at Jake hates the spinner. Uh, at, at, at Jacob hates the spinner title. Jacob hates the spinner title. Uh, follow Jacob Hates the Spinner Title uh, on Twitter. Follow Ace of Space Kate on Twitter. You can find all of those links down in the description below. Thank you once again for watching the Quick Pod Podcast. Your number 27th uh, best rated uh, opinion on uh, wrestling things where you don't actually care, but you like to hear us talk about it, and we appreciate that. And so to all of us out here on the squared, circled, octagon, triangular, and double squared circle, we thank you for listening. Farewell.